If there's a Tar Heel commit that's risen up the recruiting rankings more than any in recent memory, it's Drake Powell. And this dude is getting positive attention from every recruiting service out there. Get ready, folks. He's only a year away. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Coming up today, we got conversations about a pair of Tar Heel quarterbacks, a recent one who's doing work on Monday night in preseason, and another who's racking up the accolades that is still in Chapel Hill right now. Also, Anson Dorrance, he has some thoughts, and I am here for it. By the way, is it hot wherever you live? I am toasted right now. Like, I live in the middle of the country, and we're like five days straight of triple digits right now, and I don't know what to do with myself. My my son had his first day of second grade uh, yesterday, and I believe the quote when he came off the place was, I'm a toasted marshmallow out there. Anybody else? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Come on, turn down the thermostat. But we start today with Drake Powell. And what what I just wrote down is Drake Powell just don't quit. I absolutely love, love to see the ascension that this young man is having. I remember when, when he was that first commit in this 2024 class, it was like, oh, that's a nice piece. That's That's great. It's a good building block. And now it's like, Hey, look out. Drake Powell might very well pass Ian Jackson for the highest rated recruit in this class for North Carolina. Man, what a cool story. What a great testament to hard work. And I love that the recruiting services are noticing this young man who is primarily uh, known for his defense first and foremost. The offense is certainly catching up. Don't miss that. But but I love that that we're not just highlighting guys who can fill it up that that we catch the defense side as well but the reason i bring him up today is there are two very specific shout outs that he's received in the last week or so from two of the four prominent recruiting services if you join in with us regularly on locked on tar heels i i will sometimes remind us of those just to make sure you kind of understand the the landscape of recruiting so the four main recruiting services are 247, on three, rivals, and ESPN. So these two that we're going to talk about today is something from on three and then something from 247 Sports. Let's start with on three. Um, just again, we're talking about Drake Powell continuing to rise in in recognition in this class. So um, Jamie Shaw, who is kind of one of the recruiting insiders for On3, uh, infamously in, in Tar Heel memory, he's the one that was kind of the first to talk about Gigi Jackson probably decommitting. If he, if he sounds familiar, that's why. But legitimately, he, he does a lot of work for On3. He's out there everywhere doing stuff, letting you know. So he right now is in the midst of doing a series of like superlatives for the class of 2024. So one of the most recent ones was uh, the perimeter defenders, who he thinks are the best perimeter defenders 
in this class. And Drake Powell makes this list for Jamie Shaw. Let me read to you his capsule, Jamie Shaw's, about Drake Powell. He says, quote, had it not been for Cooper Flag reclassifying into the 2024 class, which just happened um, a couple weeks ago, Drake Powell would have claimed the top spot in this category. Quite simply, Powell is that dude on the defensive end. I love that. While his counting numbers might not be that of flags, Powell's ability to hold each of his opponents well below their averages is a testament to what he is capable of. Couple things. I love him calling Powell that dude. Like, I I want that. And I, I love this whole conversation about a defender's ability to hold an opponent under their scoring average. And here's why. If you've been with us, you know that I talked about this pretty regularly with Leaky Black. One of the things I loved about Leaky is he was never going to be a guy that consistently got you 15, 20 points a game. But he was going to chip in offensively. But what he was almost always without question going to do was hold his primary uh, mark on defense under his scoring average. Um, that to me is the ability to do that defensively is equally as important. Holding your opponent under his scoring average is equally opponent as you scoring above your scoring average. Let me put it in some very real game terms. Let's say we're playing five on five and nine of the 10 of us score right at our average points per game, right? Just hypothetical situation. But I score five points higher than my season average. So for my team, that is a net positive of five. Does that make sense? Let's say same scenario, five on five, 10 players, nine of the 10 all score their average, but I hold my primary defensive mark five points under his usual scoring average. That's similarly a five point net gain for my team. We just did it differently, whether it was me scoring five more or me stopping him from you know, making him score five less. It's all a five point net gain, a positive for my team. Now the defensive one doesn't get near as much attention as the offensive one, because that's what we can recognize more easily. Me putting the ball in the basket versus me stopping my opponent from putting the ball in the basket. But for me, I, I love this about Drake Powell and you have to have this kind of dude on your team that prioritizes that defensive thing. And what I love, though, is Jamie Shaw isn't just talking about Drake Powell holding his man, you know, sometimes slightly below their averages. No, directly he said that Drake Powell is holding his opponents well below their averages. Now, he's not going to be able to do that game in and game out at the D1 level. But if he's doing that 90% of the time, man, that is the win. Now, that's the on three side of it. That's all well and good. But on three still has Powell overall ranked 25th, which is awesome, right? But it's not tip top tip of the iceberg. 247 Sports, on the other hand, is all in on Drake Powell way high up the rankings. So recently, three of 247's main recruiting guys, Travis Branham, Eric Bossy, and Adam Finkelstein, did kind of a, a mock draft of high school basketball players across every class. So basically, and they were drafting 15 total, five each. So basically what you're looking at is they're drafting what they think are the 15 best high school basketball players, regardless of class. 
Now, here's what's interesting. If you were thinking about this and you said, oh, I bet if there's one Tar Heel commit taken in this draft, it's going to be, your guess, probably the same as mine, Ian Jackson. Not so. Ian Jackson was not drafted in this. It was Drake Powell that went eighth overall in this draft. Now, this is not an indication, like, it's not a true ranking where it's like Drake Powell, they're ranking eighth um, amongst all high school players. It's, it's where he was drafted in this draft. But, I mean, it's it's can't be far off from where he would be if they were populating a true um, across-all-class ranking. Drake Powell, taken eighth in this draft. Here's the capsule of what 247 had to say about Drake Powell in this uh, draft. Drake Powell was aggressively ranked going into the summer, even before his production matched his potential. With the latter catching up with the former in July, meaning offense catching up with defense, Bossy went on record earlier this month as saying he would now consider Powell for a spot in the top three of the rising senior class. What? Yeah. He backed that stance up here, selecting him eighth overall. Powell is an athletic and competitive wing who stands out on the defensive end on the, of the floor and is now catching up offensively. Y'all, that is such high praise for this dude. Uh, like, considering him for top three in the class, that's crazy. So what do we learn from all this talk right now about Drake Powell? Here's, here's what I have to say about it. We have to stop underrating Powell. In the same way that I said just a little bit ago, I was like, oh, you know, when we when he first came in, like, that's nice. That's a nice building block. No, that ain't the conversation anymore. The conversation now is, it's not that we should be talking about Ian Jackson less. Because he is that dude too. Like, homie just dropped 45 points and was the MVP of the Slam Summer Classic. So it's not like Ian Jackson's falling off. It's just that he's staying right at the top where he already was, and Drake Powell's now joining him. So it's not that we should t talk about Jackson less, it's that we should be talking about Drake Powell equally with Ian Jackson. And my friends, I don't know about you, but I love that. Bring on both these guys and James Brown and anybody else that's going to come be part of the 24 Carolina class. Well, here in just a second, we want to talk about two Carolina quarterbacks, one that just left a couple years ago in Sam Howell and one that's still there in Drake May. Both of them doing good things and racking up high praise, just like Drake Powell. We'll talk about them both in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes you're at a fork in the road and the right path isn't clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for people who have major trauma. Therapy can and should be for everyone, quite frankly. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, let me encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockedoncollege today to get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lockedoncollege. 
I want to thank you again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. You every day are so glad that you're here with us. Man, what a privilege to be joined together as always. If you're new to the show, welcome in. Maybe you're getting ready for football season and you're here with us. Well, you are at the right place because we're about to have some North Carolina football conversation after the second segment sip. Oh man, I needed that water. I started school today too, and I had a couple classes I had to teach. My voice is shot. All right, folks, the AP preseason football teams came out on Monday. There's two teams worth, offense and defense of both. No Tar Heels on the first team. I thought I thought that Drake might have a shot at it, just depending on which way voters went. I expected it to either be he or Caleb Williams. You know, that's been all the conversation all preseason. We've talked about it quite a bit on here. USC's Caleb Williams. Let me just say that. And not South Carolina. That is the USC, the Trojans out in California. Um, also, in the quarterback conversation, lots of Jordan Travis at Florida State hype going on right now. I'm hearing his name a lot, too. So watch out for him to just be right up there in that conversation with Drake and Caleb Williams. But so no Tar Heels on the first team, but this was a pleasant surprise. Drake was on the second team. I kind of expected that he would either be first or second team. And I think we'll see more and more and more of that just Drake continues to rack up the accolades. But also on the second team, Cedric Gray. I love it. Our man, our linebacker getting the recognition for, for all the great performance that he had, not just last year, but kind of throughout his career now. And it's kind of neat, too, because obviously the Carolina defense has been maligned um, just for a lot, of, a lot of what hasn't gone well for them. But Cedric Gray has not been part of that issue. He's been right there in the thick of it doing work. And so I love, love, love him getting this recognition. Also on these on the AP preseason All American teams, South Carolina's punter made the second team as well. So we're gonna have to watch out for him uh, about a week and a half from now when Carolina faces off with the Gamecocks. So here's what I want to see: you got Drake May second team, you got Cedric Gray second team. Can Carolina have a strong enough year to live up to that billing? When we get to the the end of the season, and it's not just the preseason predictions that are being put out, it's actually what happened this season. Will we see these two guys or others find their way onto these types of lists? Man, I hope so. I, maybe I'm just uh, gun shy from the the Carolina basketball thing last year of being preseason number one and then not doing it at the end. It's like, man, preseason accolades like this are, are fun to talk about but man you got to go do it on the field so that's what i'm watching to see now from drake may let's move over to his predecessor in sam howe here's the thing for me from the very day that sam howe or the very weekend i guess it was <laughs> that sam howe kept sliding down the draft board i've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to get his chance and his opportunity to prove to the world that they messed up or, and by the world, I mean all the NFL front offices that passed him over time and time and time again. Um, if you've been with us for a long time on this show, uh, quite hilariously, you might remember that I had kind of given up on the draft. And my family, we have a pond in our backyard. And so our family had just bought some kayaks 
that weekend. And so we went out and tested kayaks because I was like, might as well just wait and see what happens. But of course, while I went to get in my kayak that Saturday afternoon, Drake May got drafted and or Sam Howell, excuse me, got drafted. And, and then we had to come back in. But that's kind of the weekend that it was. So, man, I loved to see what I saw on Monday night with after Sam Howell recently being named the starter in Washington, um, just kind of shows out on, on Monday night where everyone's watching. The biggest news from that is I love that we had, I was just joking with my wife calling it Chapel Hill North. Sam Howe to Deami Brown for six. Yes, come on with that noise. I, I had an opportunity this summer to go on actually on a Washington Commanders podcast because they were wondering like, what is Sam Howe going to be a dude? Is Deami Brown going to raise his level because of that? And my, my contention was absolutely. These two guys are so close. You're, you're going to see Deami's confidence come back. You're going to see Sam Howe step into what he's doing. And it's going to be awesome. Now, I, I legitimately think Eric Bieniemy coming over from Kansas City to to be in Washington now that is massive for Sam Howell because you've seen that Kansas City offense under Bieniemy, and obviously you got Pat Mahomes at the helm there. But still, I think Sam Howell is going to thrive under Bieniemy's leadership, and I think Diami's going to get his shots and opportunities as well because uh, you know that Sam Howell likes to go deep, and that's Bieniemy when he has a chance to do it. It is gone. So love to see Sam connecting with the Ami for six. Let me give you the stats in case you missed them. Uh, Sam only played the first half. He, he didn't take a single snap in the second half, but he was 19 for 25, 188 yards, two TDs, no picks, a 123.4 rating, and then rushed three times for 17 yards, which uh, you, you might recall that he can do pretty well. Curious to see how much they they run him in their in their offense up in Washington. Diami in the first half had four targets, caught that just that one catch for the touchdown. It was 11 yards. Now, obviously, Sam, again, having recently been named the starter, didn't didn't take any snaps after halftime. But Diami did play more, had two more targets and caught one of them. So in total, Diami Brown had uh, two receptions, 27 yards in that touchdown, but had the second most targets on the team with those six. And so really, really curious to see what sort of role uh, Diami plays this year. How often he's on the field. Is he only coming out in four receiver sets? Will he get some time in three receiver sets? Really curious to see. But you got to think that, again, pairing back up with Sam is going to be so good for him. And again, I just want Sam Howell to make everyone eat crow for passing him over in the draft. And I just want him to go gangbusters this year. I'm not necessarily a Commanders fan, but man, I'm gonna be cheering for Sam to do really well. Thankfully, or unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan. You know, if you if you watch, you know I'm from originally from Atlanta, so I'm a big Braves fan. Uh, but man, the Falcons, we <laughs> we're just not good. Really, haven't recovered from 28 to three, if we're being honest. So, um, I, but so that means I I can cheer for the Commanders because they're not in the NFC South with me. Um, although I know that a lot of a lot of us out here uh, in Locked on Tar Heels land are Panthers fans, and so I apologize for being a Falcons fan. But hey, you're usually better than we are, so there's that. <laughs> also, in the football world, Tez Walker watch, nothing so far. We're still waiting to hear on what hopefully is going to be an overturning of this silly NCAA 
um, denial of his waiver. So fingers crossed and we stay vigilantly watching. Coming up next, a UNC coach speaks his mind on the possibility of Stanford and Cal becoming part of the ACC. Boy, he did not hold back. And my word, I am here for it. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Speaking of the NFL, football season is just about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win literally all season long. Because right now, when you go ahead and bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory that they rack up. We're just talking about the Chiefs. I'm going to go all in on that because I live like two hours south of Kansas City. Plus, they're going to have a bunch of regular season wins. You know it to be true. Why not? You can use those bonus bets on everything like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Oh, you guys, coaches they so often have to be guarded, filtered by the nature of their job, right? They, they don't want to give bulletin board material to other people. They, they don't want, I don't know. They just, they're just careful and, and often guarded. So I love it when we get the unfiltered version of these coaches. And that happened with Anson Dorrance. Um, <laughs> some video coming out um, after the win over Cal on the weekend, which funny enough, the, the, the video was coach Dorrance talking about the possibility of Stanford and Cal coming from the PAC 12 to the ACC. And he had some really interesting points. And here's the reason I want to talk about it here. We've talked quite a bit about realignment. Um, and, and I think it's a very important conversation for us to continue to have, even though the window for reclassification in 24 or yeah, we'll say stick with reclassification in 24, 25 has gone and passed. That doesn't mean it can't be for a future time. And so, so much of the ACC realignment conversation has been about the, the tip top revenue earning sports. Football is what honestly drives all of this. And then men's basketball right behind that. And then you get some, you know, women's basketball and then other sports start coming in alongside of that. But because of those things, I think we so often forget to have the conversation about the so-called Olympic sports. You know, the, the sports that we see in the Olympics that aren't the, the major revenue earners, but are, are a part of the heart, the lifeblood of North Carolina athletics in particular, because we at, as the University of North Carolina have such a broad spectrum of varsity athletics going on. And so that has to be part of the consideration for Bubba Cunningham and the athletic department. Well, legendary UNC women's soccer coach Anson Dorrance has some thoughts. And here's what they are. He, listen, legitimately had some prose, like not prose as in like poetry prose, but like pro and con prose to say about the potential of Cal and Stanford. He talked very kindly about how they are phenomenal schools academically, um, who also have great sports programs. He said, look at the Director's Cup. Stanford dominates that all the time. You might remember I said on this show a week or two ago that Stanford has won more NCAA championships all time than any other D1 program in the nation. 
Coach Dorrance said it's a truly elite combination of academics and athletics with those two schools, and obviously Stanford in particular. But he spent the majority of the time in this conversation talking about the negative side or the cons of potentially bringing in these two schools to the ACC, one of which has not been part of the conversation. He, he hit specifically on three cons, and I want to highlight these in one in particular. Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation already about travel. Particularly, it would be worse for Cal and Stanford because all the other, excuse me, 15 ACC schools, and I'm including Notre Dame in that, are Eastern, right? And <clears throat> in fact, Notre, is Notre Dame the westernmost ACC school right now? I'm not looking at a map, so I, I couldn't say. I don't want to waste time looking that up. But yeah, I feel like Notre Dame is the westernmost ACC school. Anyway. So, so Coach Dorrance talked about the travel of this, how just abysmal it would be. And then secondly, and it ties into the travel, is the budget, just how much expense all of that would go into taking. But I, you know, let's pass those by because we've already spent a good deal of time on those and move into talking about the recruiting angle of it. And that's where Coach Dorrance hit really hard and where he dropped uh, kind of the bomb that everyone is talking about coming out of this inner interview. So basically, uh, let me quote Coach Dorrance a couple of times because I, I think it's really important to catch and then we'll unpack it a little bit. He said, quote, if you put these two schools in the ACC, Stanford and Cal, it's going to be so easy for them to recruit nationally. So it'll just benefit them, in my opinion, not us, end quote. So meaning right now, he said not that they don't recruit nationally is kind of what he went on to say. But if they join the ACC, they've already got the West Coast. Now you give them the East Coast and kind of things between, and it's going to make their life a lot easier. Coach Dorrance went on to say, quote, we've built the best women's soccer conference in the country. There's no way I want to share the glory of our conference with two schools that could do a very good job of recruiting against us, end quote, right? That makes a ton of sense to me. And then he followed that up immediately with the line that everyone's bringing out, quote, so basically, I want Cal and Stanford to die on the vine. Now, taken out of context, that seems like an egregious and just mean quote. But basically, in context, it, it makes a lot of sense. He's not being vindictive. He's just simply saying, listen, I don't want to help them. We already have a struggle uh, playing against those two schools and recruiting against those two schools. And so I don't want to do anything to help them gain an upper hand against us. We're trying to, like, you you want competitive balance, but the ACC has already got that in spades. He doesn't need to add any more. And so he's just saying, why should we help them, particularly in this recruiting side of things? Here's some more that Coach said. Quote, I look forward to seeing Stanford, which is a very difficult school to recruit against, having it be so difficult for them to recruit the elite soccer player. And then we would be in a position to obviously gain those kids and put the ACC in an even stronger position. So I love this. He's not just looking at it as I want to spite Stanford and Cal. It's like, no, if, if things are tougher for them, that's a net win for us because then we can have a better chance to keep, um, not just recruiting, but getting commitments from the tip-top elite women's soccer players in the nation because of what the ACC is and how we're still trying um, to make it the elite women's soccer conference. And so put the ACC on even stronger footing. 
And here's the last quote from Coach Dorrance I want to say. These are schools that are in trouble. It's going to be harder and harder and harder for them to recruit. And that means that benefits the rest of us in the ACC, end quote. And so, listen, you might hear that and say, well, that that's just sour grapes from Coach Dorrance. That's just mean-spirited. Why shouldn't they? They should be helping these schools. Coach Dorrance is looking out for his team. He's looking out for his conference. He's like, hey, listen, we've built a really good thing here, not just Carolina, but the whole ACC. Why should Stanford and Cal get to ride on our coattails just because they couldn't figure out the Pac-12 and it crumbled around them? Now, if it was something that benefited the ACC, it makes a ton of sense. But them hurting helps the ACC. And so in this case, I'm like, Good on you, Coach Doran. Speak your mind, bro. Like, I just said, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but but I love it. And I think it's really important for us to catch not just what's important for basketball or football or baseball or some of the other sports that are right there at the top of most people's minds when it comes to Carolina athletics. But A.D. Bubba Cunningham has a responsibility to all of these varsity athletic teams. That That's what I believe, at least. Like, he's... He, shouldn't in my opinion do anything to take care of those elite teams that doesn't take care of the other teams and i know that the revenue from football and the basketball teams for example trickles down and takes care of everyone else but if carolina is going to have these teams i want to do everything i can to support and uplift them and so if that means not bringing in stanford and cal i don't want to bring in stanford and cal i stand with coach dorrance on that and i again love him speaking his mind that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. I want to thank you so much for making it your first listen or watch of the day. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. Email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on audio and video formats. Smash the like button on YouTube to let us know you are here. And we'd love to hear your comments on today's show. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. You know it, I know it. We'll talk again tomorrow when Coach Pat Kilby's with us. We're going in on RJ Davis. It's going to be a great conversation. Talk to you then. Peace. Peace.